This week, the dangers of stupidity, the dangers and stupidity of texting and driving, chemical fingerprinting, keeping languages alive, uh, and plus, we're going to be following up with a story from last issue when we are joined later on in the show by Andrew Bugards. All that and more coming up right now. And shivers down your spine Shrieking skulls will shock your soul Seal your doom tonight Hello, welcome to the Masthead, the official radio companion to the Navigator newspaper. I am your host and bus taker, Brendan Barlow, and this is the news and sports edition of the Masthead, which means we have a brand new issue of the Navigator available right now. Now, keep your eyes peeled for a rather bleak cover with a smashed up car and text message bubbles, and you'll know you found the right one. Also, if you couldn't tell from the spooky theme song, it is October, and I am a huge fan of the spooky season, so you're going to be hearing that or other spooky songs that I come across all month. So get ready to be forced into the spirit by this show. Um, as per usual, a little bit of housekeeping right off the top. First up, we have a correction. Um, this comes. Uh, this is re- related to a story from the last issue that we did talk about, so I want to make sure that I say it here just so that it's clear in both. So, in issue two, it was intentionally, unintentionally, unintentionally implied that the status of women chair Kathy Page was drafting the VIU's new sexual misconduct policy. The policy is being drafted by Director of Student Affairs, Dr. Carrie Chassels, while Page will sit on the S. V-H-E-R committee, which will be reviewing and responding to the draft. So there you go. Just a little bit of clarity on that, just in case you were uh, confused or in case you got the wrong idea. Next up, you can connect with me at any time during the show, after the show, whenever you feel like it. You can use Twitter to do so by using hashtag MastheadRadio. And you can also get in touch with us by email at themastheadradio at gmail.com. I check both often and will respond as quickly as possible. And where possible, I'll even respond on the air. So even better. Um, you can also call the station and leave your comments with the wonderful folks here, which someone did. So... That's pretty exciting. So last week we were talking about self-defense uh, and whether or not we should uh, encourage that and, and just kind of what the benefits of self-defense for, uh, in particular for women. Uh, we got a call last week that uh, the caller says that they were trained in self-defense and it, it you earn the training and it helps with confidence. Um, so that's great. We also talked about uh, pepper spray being illegal and bear spray being prohibitively expensive. Uh, and, some, and this caller suggested that you can get dog spray, which is smaller Uh, And that was Aaron from last week. So thank you for calling. Please don't hesitate to leave your comments, Twitter, email, call, whatever you got to do. That's great. I will respond and share all the feedback that I get uh, wherever that is possible. If you've missed an episode of The Masthead, you can find all of our past shows on iTunes or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts or by heading to themastheadradio.wordpress.com. Um, at this point, I was going to introduce our sports and lifestyle editor, Cole Schisler, but he is not here and the show has started, so we're going to just move right along uh, without him. So this week, we are talking about texting and driving uh, and the Drop It and Drive campaign. We are going to break down a pretty fascinating project being done by a VIU student and talk about um, reviving a language during... Uh, the VIU art and, or sorry, and a talk about reviving language during a VIU arts and humanities colloquium talk. There you go. So that's coming up. Uh, we're also going to be getting to your point of view in our returning 
point of viu segment plus mariners action and more uh, plenty more to keep you in the know so let's just jump right into things and have a look at what's trending more spooky sound effects i'm telling you you better get used to it so a cop has been fired after admitting he targeted black drivers in a facebook post this story comes from thegrio.com um, a white Georgia sheriff's deputy has been fired and another has resigned after racist and sexist Facebook posts emerged, showing the two of them exchanging bigoted messages. Brant Gaithier and Jeremy Owens exchanged these messages laced with profanity and racial slurs, including one exchange in which they said that they hoped the weather didn't interfere with their plans to stop more black drivers that day. Uh, it's supposed to rain tomorrow. May not get to... I'm not even going to say what he says. I'm sure you can figure it out. Um... I hope we get a few, but blank if we don't, Gaithier replies. Another exchange, including an image of Martin Luther King Jr. I have a dream that one day people, my people will not act like animals, wrote Gaithier. LOL, that will never happen, Owens replied. Uh, the messages also included several jokes about domestic, vi domestic violence towards women. They were discovered when a deputy was issued uh, Owens' old computer and Sheriff Stephen D. Jessup said that he took immediate action upon their discovery. There was never any question of what I needed to do, and I did it. Jessup said, I do not tolerate that in my department. So Gaithier was terminated from the force uh, July 25th, and Owens resigned the day after. That is horrifying. Um, and there you go. Next up, Thane. 500 call center employees detained for duping U.S. citizens. Uh, coming to us from the IndianExpress.com, in a major raid, over 500 employees of some call centers were detained for allegedly threatening the U.S. citizens and siphoning off their money in a Mirror Road area of Thane, police said on Wednesday. The raid was carried out by over 200 police personnel, mostly from the crime branch late, uh, late Tuesday night, and continued into the wee hours on Wednesday. Uh, the persons operated from... Uh, operated from call centers in Mirror Road locality, which comes under the jurisdiction of the Thane Rural Police. Uh, so what would happen is they would call up U.S. citizens and demand their financial and bank details, failing which they would allegedly threaten them with dire consequences, including legal action, which they obviously have no authority to do. So that's a little bit intense. Always really think about the phone calls that you are getting. Um Another one here from CNN Money. Facebook's secret conversations mode deletes messages for extra security. Facebook has finished rolling out a secret conversations feature in, a, in its Messenger app. The new mode ensures that only the two people involved in, the, in a chat can see the text. In fact, even the government uh, or Facebook itself won't have access to the conversations in secret mode according to the social network. Social Network's 1 billion Messenger users now have access to the feature, CNN Money confirmed. Uh, it uses end-to-end -end encryption similar to what is found in the Facebook-owned WhatsApp, uh, Viber, Line, and Google. Uh, and Google's new messaging app, Allo. Uh, messages will only be sent to whatever device used to start or first respond to the conversation. This means that if you're chatting in secret mode on a specific smartphone, you won't see previous messages in on your desktop. Uh, Facebook also gives people the option to let specific messages within the secret conversations expire after five seconds or up to a day, a feature not unlike what is offered on Snapchat. So if you're using your secret messages, I want to know how's it working for you. It's uh, Let me know what you think. And hey, 
Well, we've got someone now who has just joined us, which is very exciting, and you're going to use that one. So Cole Schisler, our sports and lifestyle editor, has tried to sneak in. Uh, how's it going, Cole? Um, so far, so good. I'm fresh good. out of a political science class. It was good. thrilling. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Um, have you been using Secret Conversations, the new Facebook feature? or? Uh, I wasn't aware that there were secret conversations on Facebook, but I would consider most of my Facebook conversations to be secret conversations. Okay, that's good. Uh, next up, the O'Reilly Factor takes a trip to Chinatown and becomes very racist. If you're not familiar with the O'Reilly Factor, it is hosted by a racist blowhard named Bill O'Reilly, and apparently this... This sort of seems to follow with what he usually does. So let's have a look. This week, Fox News' Jesse Waters took a trip to New York City's Chinatown and came away with a blockbuster report on how Asian stereotypes are extremely funny. The ostensible point of Waters' segment was to survey Chinese Americans about Donald Trump and the state of Sino-American relations, but Waters quickly determined that he both that both he and the O'Reilly Factor audience were less interested in the political views of Mott Street residents than they were in how Chinese Americans would respond to a white man with a microphone reciting stereotypes about them. Um, this sounds like a Daily Show segment, but it isn't. It's real. Uh, am I supposed to bow to say hello? Waters asked two bystanders. Uh, Do you know karate? He asks another. He demands to know if it's the year of the dragon and asks a young Chinese American woman if everything is made in China now. When the woman says that everything is not made in China, he defies her to name one thing that is made uh, that is made outside of the country, outside of that country. Um, each humorless interaction is punctuated by an obnoxious two-second movie clip. This pattern repeats for the longest four minutes of your entire life, which I absolutely will not play on uh, on the radio because he doesn't deserve the attention. Um, yikes so cole did you watch that video um i haven't watched it no but uh it's i just it's it's what you come to expect from fox news yeah at least they're not doing it in a in a talking heads panel with four <laughs> old white dudes saying stereotypes to each other at least they're going down and talking to the people about it this you're right time. it's it's better to be racist to their face than to be racist to each other is that yeah exactly that's definitely exactly. not true at all and you you know that there's there's <laughs> someone who's just in between dr oz and dr phil mm -hmm. watching the o'reilly factor going that's right yeah <laughs> yeah so there you go that is the o'reilly factor story um, now you're here, so it's perfect time to move over to some trending sports stories. Uh, the suspect in the Blue Jays Orioles beer tossing furor is identified. So the uh, Blue Jays won a thriller over the Baltimore Orioles in the American League wildcard game, but it's a beer can thrown onto the field at the Orioles outfielder Hyun Soo Kim that has caused the firestorm online. The police are investigating. Do you know? Do you know about this, Cole? Yeah, I heard about it, and uh, apparently it's not abnormal for Blue Jays fans to be terrible people. Okay. You heard it here first. Cole says that you're terrible. Uh, a photo released by Toronto Police Wednesday of a man alleged to be the beer-tossing fan at a Tuesday's tense Blue Jays-Orioles game at Rogers Arena has set off a firestorm that has almost eclipsed the game itself. The image released by police show a man with dark hair wearing a Blue Jays shirt as he stands uh, behind left field. It tipped off a tide of internet rage and citywide digital manhunt. Um, last late Wednesday, a post media source confirmed that to Star that the man in the photo is Ken Pagan, a post media employee. Ooh, that's 
that's not good. In an email to the star, Phyllis Gelfin, vice president of communications at Post Media, confirmed that Pegan is an employee and added, we are conducting an internal investigation but have reached no conclusions at this time. Uh, the Sun tried. The star tried to get in touch with him. He's not getting in touch. So, yeah, there you go. I don't know. I don't watch a lot of baseball. I don't know if this is a thing that happens, but it's not uh, not not cool to throw throw beer at baseball players. It doesn't really make sense to me. It's not cool to throw beer at anybody. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird. It's a yeah. weird thing. But I like the the very very Canadian response that when somebody does something rude, the entire city goes on a manhunt <laughs> yeah. for this guy we have to hunt down the rude guy yeah yeah that's for sure they're gonna deport him to detroit or something <laughs> jesus um one more here the astros i don't know what sport we're talking about baseball probably do not condone a player's sexist tweet against espn's jessica mendoza the Astros say that they do not condone a tweet posted by one of their minor league infielders criticizing broadcaster Jessica Mendoza during ESPN's broadcast of the Tuesday night NL wildcard game. Screen grabs of the tweet showed second baseman Brooks Marlowe wrote, No lady needs to be on ESPN talking during a baseball game, especially, especially, not especially, especially Mendoza. Sorry. This tweet was deleted from Marlowe's account because it's uh, heinous and he probably knew that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Any thoughts on that one? Now that it's now that we've said That's, that, that sounds like a, a three a.m. Donald Trump tweet. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So that takes care of that part of the show. Um. We're gonna we're gonna play some music. There's a new song by the weekend, and we're gonna play it because I like them. So let's listen to it, and we'll be back with uh, with Cole and more news after this. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry about that.
right, that was The weekend. the song False Alarm, I'm assuming from an upcoming album, but I don't know that for sure, so I'll uh, I'll just sort of let it be a song all on its own. You are listening to The Masthead, and I'm here still with Cole, our The Navigator's sports and lifestyles uh, editor. We're going to take a look at the news in a nutshell, so start things off here. On October 6th, the World Bridger film, film, film series is hosting a Director's Night double feature. Uh, Pimet- oh, no. Pimachi Howen, sorry about that, Living with the Land, and Letters to Attawapiskat, it's closer probably, both created by uh, ethnomusicologist, I got through ethnomusicologist, but I couldn't get through the other ones, Michael B. McDonald, Uh, you can catch that in Building 356, Room 109 on the Nanaimo campus at 7pm on October 6th, Uh, and you should care because this, um, the words that I cannot pronounce, Pimachi Howen, is the Creek concept of living with the land and letters to Attawaspacat features an Edmonton community group response to the Attawaspacat youth suicide crisis. Very important conversations. Uh, please do not let the fact that I could not get through those words uh, change your thoughts on it. Go and see it. That's October 6th. Cole, what have we got? And uh, on October 7th, there's a celebration of student, a celebration of student success is being hosted by the Center of Experiential Learning. Uh, Celebrate will be a showcase of student scholarship and learning featuring posters, presentations, and portfolios, as well as a photo contest. There's going to be some tasty snacks made by the students of the VIU Culinary Program, which is actually a pretty great program. I eat lunch at the cafeteria pretty regularly, and uh, it's always tasty. It's going to be held in the upper cafeteria at the Nanaimo campus from 1 to 4 p.m. Again, that's on October 7th. And it's going to be a great opportunity to network and you know learn about work being done in a variety of disciplines at the school, like uh, hospitality, recreation and tourism, the culinary program, Aboriginal tourism, and interior design. Awesome. And Nanaimo Lakes Road will be being is being repaved this fall and given as well as given a shoulder for cyclists and pedestrians. That is between Lincoln and Wake Asaya. Construction will begin or it's already begun, sorry, on September twenty eighth. And is projected to be completed by the end of October, which means Wake Asaya is going to be more of a gong show than it is already. So plan accordingly. Uh, motors are advised that there will be significant traffic disruptions and are encouraged to choose an alternate route. If you are driving to campus from somewhere else, Take the highway. It is the fastest way and the easiest way to get to campus. Cole. And a little further down Wikisaya at Collery Dam, city crews are currently trying to reduce the water level in uh, Collery Dam Park. Uh, Steps are being taken to restore the beach area on the south side of the lower lake. Water levels are expected to be down for between one and four days while work is underway. Um, The lower lake is going to be closed for swimming during this period, so um, just, just... Please be careful because the the newly exposed shoreline is going to be slippery. So uh, everybody walking through the park is is advised to uh, approach the lower lake levels with uh, with caution. Fabulous. And finally, the new the Nanaimo Aquatic Center is open to the public again after its annual fall cleaning. In addition, their popular dive-in movies will event will be begin again this fall and winter, starting with a special Halloween-themed movie on October 15th. That is the Nanaimo Aquatic Center, 741 Third Street. Um, you should care because you can swim in not freezing water again and watch movies. It's a win-win. I've never been to the dive-in movies have you have you done that do you know anything about the dive-in i i know nothing about the dive-in but uh, right. i have a big interest in swimming so i may be at the dive-in yeah i'd be curious to know what halloween themed film they're going to choose as well it'll be 
fun for everyone. So there you go. Um, we are going to move on to the point of VIU, which is where we ask students what they think about issues that affect them uh, directly sometimes, sometimes indirectly, or sometimes just things that pop into our head uh, at the time. Um, this week, the point of VIU was conducted by Jeff Sienowitz, um, and he asked students... Please stop doing that. Sorry. <laughs> uh, he says... VIU's clinic is getting a new general practitioner, doctor, and psychiatrist. What do you think is the most common physical or mental health challenge for most students at the moment? And what types of strategies do you or students you know use for dealing with this issue? So, Cole, I think I'll pose it right to you. Uh, what do you think is the most common physical or mental uh, health issue that students face on a regular basis? Um, or even that you face yourself, if you want to go there. Well... I find, and, and what I've heard a lot from other people, is uh, in Nanaimo, there's a big presence of seasonal depression because yeah. there's that, that overcast, gloomy, rainy period from uh, pretty much like mid-October to February or March. Yeah. And so a lot of people just like kind of end up staying inside because it's, it's you know, raining out and all that kind of thing. And, uh, you know... Uh, I was just doing an interview with Peter Hudson, who organizes a lot of comedy shows here in Nanaimo, and he says the best way to combat that is to just fight the rain, get out in the community, and do something fun with other people. Good strategy. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, for me, as a student, it's it's a lot of uh, mostly stress and some anxiety that I deal with, and I mean, coping with that is just having a good way to take care of yourself. Like you said, getting out helps, finding something to do for yourself. Uh, and it sounds like most of these folks agree. So Mitchell, a psychology student, says that I'd say it's stress. Uh, all other ailments that stress can bring on, like lack of sleep, muscle soreness, fatigue, and everything else. Um, I find that connecting with my friends and family can really help to share and uh, help with each other's issues instead of staying by yourself and trying to handle it all on your own. Uh, Greg is a computer science student who says stress is definitely the biggest challenge. Uh, it's important to wind down as much as possible whenever you can. Uh, Marissa from General Sciences says it's anxiety for her. Um, and for physical issues, she says that it varies a lot, but she thinks that with the student-athletes, maybe muscle injuries. Um, it's less universal, I guess. But yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, she tries to be organized and prepared for what is ahead, and no one can be ready for everything, but it helps to, uh, to be at least try and be organized. Uh, Samantha from the Culinary Arts Program says stress, and Gloria from Culinary Arts also says stress, uh, and both, it, it's again, you see a lot of the same. With Self-care is the most important thing, and if you do need help, go and speak to the doctor, and then, if, if necessary, the psychiatrist. I think that that's something that people overlook, is actually seeking the medical attention that they maybe don't want to acknowledge that they need. Yeah, and it's kind of a cliche, but really don't keep things bottled up if you have friends that you trust and that you know you want want to help you do better it's okay to tell them you know like i'm having a hard time and maybe you guys can help each other through it because you never know who's going to be going through a similar experience absolutely um do you find like do you have those sort of certain friends that you can go to with that stuff and then some friends that you go yeah they're not going to get it and you like do you kind of differentiate that way or yeah, yeah yeah i mean like you 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 can tell who the people are almost almost by by uh sensing it as as silly as that can sound like you, you have different friends for different things that help you de-stress like for example i'm part of a, a weekly rap group called Cyphomatic, and i don't go there and say oh guys i'm having such a hard time you know we just rap and we all de-stress and it's a great time sure Okay. 
Um, fair enough. Uh, we are going to, yeah, we're going to play a song and then we're going to come back. So I just have to find out where everything is. There we go. This one, as far as I remember, is by Tycho. They have a new album called Epoch. Uh, and the song is called Receiver, and I will turn both mics off this time. We'll be back.
That was Tycho, the song called Receiver from their new album, Epoch. Lots of single words, uh, words there. So we mentioned briefly in the point of view that there's a new general practitioner and psychiatrist joining the ranks of VIU's Health and Wellness Center. And so we're going to talk more about that. For more on that story, let's go to Cole. Yeah, this was written by our news editor, uh, Aislinn Cotel. And uh, so this semester, a new general practitioner and psychiatrist will be available to students in need of mental and physical health care on campus. Up until August, the health clinic was operating with a single nurse practitioner and a medical office assistant. A second nurse was then hired who will be working with the center until the end of February. Uh, general practitioner Dr. Dagny Vani started on September 20th and psychiatrist Dr. Kahind Oluyede, sorry if I butchered that pronunciation, started on September 30th. The new staff are the result of a collaboration with Island Health, who are providing funding for the second nurse practitioner and Dr. Uliyid, and the Division of Family Practice, who are providing funding for Dr. Vane. We've been very fortunate to have that partnership and also the shared commitment between Vancouver Island Health Authority and VIU to ensure that our students here are receiving primary health care, said Marge Huntley, Director of Student Affairs. It's one of those unique relationships that you don't find on other campuses. Dr. Vani will be available for student appointments in Building 200 every Tuesday morning between 9.20 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. until March. She'll provide the same primary health services as, a fa- as any family doctor, including giving prescriptions and referrals to other specialists. Dr. Uliade, Dr. Kenny for short, will be available one Friday per month for students referred by either Dr. Vani or one of the nurse practitioners. Dr. Kenny will provide mental health assessments as well as ongoing mental health care for students on campus. She will also help to organize a student psychoeducational group run by her and one of the VIU student counselors, which will be there to offer extra support to referred students suffering from anxiety and depression. The real focus of the health clinic and the health and wellness center is to provide a continuum of care, whether that's physical health or mental health and well-being, said Huntley. As VIU holds a diverse population, there are a variety of issues students face, ranging from temporary conditions such as the flu to more chronic afflictions like asthma. Adding to that, the nature of the school environment can be very stressful. Huntley hopes having more staff on hand will make getting help that much more convenient for those who need it. In addition, the Health and Wellness Center is now offering extended hours on all their services every Tuesday night until 6.30 p.m., Students with busy daytime schedules due to class or work will be able to access the advising and financial aid services on a drop-in basis and the clinic, counseling, and disability services by appointment. All health and wellness center services are available for free to all registered local, out-of-province, or international VIU students, provided they have a certified health insurance coverage either under Green Shield or another provider. Thank you, Cole. And we can't stress enough how important it is to go and use these services. They are not available readily to most of us uh, outside of university. It's hard to get yourself a GP or a psychiatrist. I, you know, there's there, it's just not a service that is super readily available. So please do take advantage of this. You have insurance for a reason. Use it. Um, yeah, I mean, what else can you say, really, except for use the service that's yeah. available to you? Use the service, that's why it's there. Yeah. Otherwise, it'll disappear. Absolutely. Um, 
All right. Next up, we're going to talk. We've talked a little bit already about the upcoming Arts and Humanities Colloquium. We talked about uh, a book uh, about, uh, I believe, the Alchemist Council is the one that we spoke about already. This one is a different talk. This is a talk on reviving a language. From uh, comes to us from Gordon Hawk, a contributor. Uh, languages are a social, cultural, and historical are social, cultural, historical, and personal. They can also disappear. In an upcoming talk in the Arts and Humanities Colloquium series, Dr. Laura Cranmer of a, the First Nation Studies Department will give the talk entitled "Quack Walla Language Revitalization: Is It Possible?" Uh, the presentation will be held in the Mousebina Theater Friday, October twenty-first, beginning at ten a.m. Um, Cranmer will draw on her recently completed PhD dissertation from the University of British Columbia, a study of language reclamation entitled Reclaiming Kwakawala uh, through co-constructing Guanti Laquis Vision. I'm so, so sorry. A 2014 report by the First People's Council, Cultural Council found that of the 7,309 people making up the Kwakwaka population there are currently only 160 fluent speakers and 497 semi-speakers looking into the future one of the uh, the primary recommendations of the truth and reconciliation commission was to encourage indigenous language revitalization i hope my work will contribute i hope my work contributes to the goals cranmer said Kramer's studies are academic but they are also personal as a teenager and young mother her paternal grandmother guanti laqua uh, took many photos of their large clan of relatives who uh, who have connections to far-flung far, far villages within the Kwakwaka'wakw territory. Uh, Guantilakwa was responsible for my care as an infant and during my formative years, said Cranmer. I knew her as mom until I grew older and could understand my true beginnings and place in our family. In her research, Cranmer used a selection of Guant- Guantilakwa's uh, photos to prompt fluent Kwakwala speakers to converse with each other. For example, a photograph of family members at Deswadi and Kwakwala name for what current maps label as Night Inlet was very effective at drawing out one speaker. Uh, Cranmer then transcribed the interviews as a way of not only understanding, or of not only preserving the dialogues, but also having advancing her own understanding of the language. In my thesis through an auto, auto-ethnographic narrative and analysis, she notes, I provide reflection on my engagement with the Kwakwala and its speakers and on my own identity as an adult language learner in attempting to reclaim Kwakwala. Those who were raised in the heritage language environment but no longer speak the language are considered latent or semi-speakers. As one of those latent adult speakers attempting to recover Kwakwala, Kramner will address issues and challenges to particular to latent adult speakers and learners of indigenous languages. The story of this is a story of reclaiming language and identity by merging theories and methods of second language acquisition with stories and memories of childhood, she said. Cranmer has taught the First Nations Studies program at VIU on Sinanamach traditional territory since 2000. Not only has she learned much about her research topic and academic training, her academic training has also helped her define meaning in her life experience as a residential school survivor. The colloquium presentation on October 21st promises to be both illuminating and insightful. The talk is open to faculty, employees, and the general public. Students are especially welcome, and there will be refreshments. If it didn't already sound interesting enough, there's also treats for attending. Um, Cole, do you have any thoughts on this one? I think it's 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 very important to um, have a connection especially through language to your to your roots like i know even for um 
French Canadians living in Western Canada, they feel a disconnect because nobody here really speaks French. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a huge part of who you are as a person and also as your culture. And I, I believe that events like this are, are very, very important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a strong recommend all around, I think. October 21st, it's it, it's staggering to think, you know, you have here, there are 7,309 7, people that make up this population and only 160 of those people speak the language fluently. I mean, that, that, that you talk about disconnects. I mean, that's a staggering disconnect uh, between them. And I mean, even those who are just self uh, semi-speakers that still makes up such a small percentage and it really does show you that a language isn't forever i think it's really easy for us to get uh complacent in the idea that well you know your language doesn't disappear and we kind of have the privilege of being of being english speakers so it's hard to uh, to completely understand how what effect it can have i think and i think going to this uh, this talk will give really valuable perspective to anybody who wants it who is interested in learning about that a little bit more um i think that's that's what we've got on those but i think we've got some time for one more story so let's continue with the uh, indigenous theme here first nation studies plans to change the name of the program to indigenous studies BAU's faculty of First Nation Studies announced to students that it will be changing its name to Indigenous Studies. Keith Smith, a professor who teaches First Nation Studies introductory courses, explained, The initial impetus behind it is that First Nations can be seen as fairly exclusive. The term does not include Métis, Inuit, and non-status people. We just want it to be more inclusive. Um, that's what Keith says. Currently, there is a little there is little direct opposition to the name change. However, there are uncertainties surrounding the name change. What the name change may signify in the future. A student who asked to not be named said, "I like to think that the faculty is trying. I like that the faculty is trying to be inclusive, but I worry about what removing the focus on First Nations people means. I suppose we'll have to wait and see." Many students refused to comment, saying that they were uncertain about what to say or avoid saying the wrong thing. Some members of the faculty refused to comment or simply did not respond to interview requests. Uh, another student in the First Nation Studies who goes by the name Liz is says, I'm not sure which word is a better choice or which words have been chosen by who. I like the attempt towards inclusivity, but indigenous sounds nonspecific and open to interpretation. I think it's good, Smith said, while simultaneously acknowledging the potential downside. The only negatives that I can think of are that First Nations communities might see themselves as being set aside in the struggle for inclusivity. They might feel slighted, but I hope not, because it is not our intent. The intent is not to lower them, but simply to raise others up. Uh, well, the name may change. There is one thing that remains certain, a VIU and the department's commitment to original vision of the program. Um, as stated on the department's website, it is important to understand that the department's aim is to offer students an educational experience grounded in both local indigenous knowledge and solid academic context. Uh, in this way, students carry forward the Snonemoc philosophy held by the founding elder, Dr. Ellen White, walking in both worlds with both hands full. While the full implications of the name change may not yet be known, students and faculty can rest assured that the intention of the program currently remains the same as what it was when the program was funded back in 1993. Um, I don't know that I'm, I don't know that either of us are in any position to say whether it's the right call or not. Um, it, it does seem like the kind of thing that, uh, isn't up to the two white dudes on the radio to decide on. Yeah. Um, I think Smith makes good, 
good points and i think that the kind of the dissenting voices also make some interesting points there's it's a hard balance and to find a way to include everyone sometimes you do kind of overcorrect and exclude people it, it seems yeah i i think the at least from from what i've been told the term first nations refers to the tribes and bands that are uh, have signed treaties okay and um, indigenous is more of a broader term yeah. to include like Métis and, uh, and Inuit. status. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. status. So uh, perhaps change the name to, uh, to First Nations and Indigenous Studies? I don't know. That's something. That Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it seems like it's, it's going to be one of those things like everyone seems to say. There's a lot of the ideas. Just let's wait and see. Let's see how it goes. And if their general philosophy of the program is staying the same... I'm not sure that there's any harm in a change of name. Yeah, no, I, I don't see the issue. But yeah. uh, if if any of you out there uh, have an opinion on the matter, feel free to um, to call in, uh, call and leave a message. Uh, yeah, uh, or or use hashtag Masshead Radio and let us know what you think of that. Please, that would be uh, that'd be great. Okay, so we have time for one more song this hour, and that's what we're gonna do. Songs by the Pixies. It's brand new, and it's called all i think about now and we'll be back in a minute with some more news before we go for a little commercial break Tomorrow, but I always think about the 
We are back. That was the Pixies, the song All I Think About Now. I just want to thank Kenny for giving us a call and, and giving us some props on our on our coverage there. He wanted to mention that the, um, the totem pole at Golan Campus is being erected and unveiled. has been erected, and I believe there's a ceremony, he says, on the 10th or 11th. I'm sorry, I don't have the, um, the facts on that one in front of me. He also wanted me to let you know that on his show tomorrow, my honored... Uh, no, my honored and fellow people. Um, it's a hard one to pronounce. It is uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, he's going to be joined by Geraldine, <clears throat> uh, who is going to share some the stories of the the totem poles and things like that. So, really cool show at ten o'clock tomorrow. Uh, tune in to listen to that. Now we are going to carry on. We got one more story for you this hour, and then in the next hour we're going to be joined by um. By Andrew Bugars, which is very exciting. So we're gonna be we're gonna be sitting in and chatting with him for a little bit, a little bit later. But first, are you thinking of starting a new business? Don't wait until you've finished school. And Cole is about to tell you why you shouldn't wait until you finish school. The story is by uh, contributor Krista Meckleborg, and uh, a young man sits in a small lecture hall and glances at the clock, two seventeen p.m. Apart from the slightly wrinkled two-piece suit he's wearing, he looks like any other student in the room, tired and eager to leave. It's already been a long day. He looks up at the clock again, 2.18 p.m. The energy in the classroom builds as the professor begins his closing remarks. The young man quickly closes his notebook and places it in his second-hand briefcase. He waits until the professor has spoken his last word before dashing to the door and racing out to his car. The man pulls out his phone to see a calendar reminder pop up. Meeting with client at 2.30 p.m. He looks to the top right corner of the screen, 2.21 p.m. As he races to meet with his client, he does a mental double check to ensure that he has everything prepared. He's prepared everything requested. Marketing proposal? Check. Raw photos? Check. Website template? Check. He pulls into a parking spot in front of a Starbucks. He takes a quick glance at his watch as he pulls out his briefcase and walks inside. 2.29 p.m. Perfect. Starting up a new business can be hard enough as it is, but imagine trying to start up a business at the same time as managing university course load. For some students at Vancouver Island University, the struggle's a reality. Andrew Nixon, a part-time student at VIU, is doing just that. The fourth-year business student is also one of five co-founders and, creator and creative partners of Made Creative, a full-service marketing agency. This small business does everything from photography, videography, and graphic web design to event management and social media marketing. There are a lot of benefits to starting up a business while attending university. You're surrounded by resources, students who can become your work colleagues, professors who can advise you on potential issues, and complete access to a library full of valuable information. You might not make much money at first, but it's definitely possible to roll in a bit of extra cash this way as well. One of the biggest benefits to starting a business while in university, apart from the potential of making it big, comes from the real-life experience of running a business. Whether you're looking to enter the world of business or not, the lessons learned in beginning this type of venture are invaluable. Creating a successful business requires a significant amount of perseverance, organization, and hard work. These skills have the potential to take you anywhere in life. However, none of these benefits comes without struggle. Starting from scratch is not an easy process, and business is definitely no exception. There's no such thing as an easy day, and there are no days off, Nixon says, about the work he and his partners have done since their business was officially incorporated in August. With Tom Alexander, Mike Anderson, fourth-year business student at VIU, Heather Fisk, a VIU alumni, 
and Alexander Stickel, Nixon invests significant effort into helping his business become successful. Despite his business education, Nixon mentioned that there are many things that his team has had to learn on their own that haven't been covered in his own university experience, such as details about when to incorporate, legal implications of incorporation, knowing how to file for a business license, and dealing with business taxes and expenses. One of the biggest issues for a startup business, and especially for students, is the issue of money. Funding is essential for any new venture to begin, as business expenses can stack up fast. From legal costs to equipment purchases and marketing the company, the saying is definitely true that it costs money to make money. Money is your oxygen, says Nixon. For some, this oxygen is found through crowdfunding or support from family or friends. However, extra capital can be extremely difficult to acquire. Financial backing for startup businesses often comes directly out of the pockets of those who begin the venture, such as in the case of Made Creative. However, for some entrepreneurs, the hardest part may be just getting started in the first place. Many people dream about starting up a business, but if you actually make it happen. It's one thing to sit back late at night and talk about an idea. It's another thing to actually pool resources together and make something happen, says Nixon. Those actively working towards making their business dreams become a reality can truly see the benefits of dedication and perseverance. Regardless of the struggles that accompany starting up a new business, many entrepreneurs enjoy it far too much to quit anytime soon. It's challenging, says Nixon, but I love it, and I wouldn't have it any other way. We are the makers of our own success. Nixon and his partners at Made Creative are openly looking for opportunities to work with other businesses and individuals. They can be contacted at madecreative.co. All right, thank you, Cole. So there you go. Um, wise words. Don't sit around and wait until you're done school or done the thing you're doing now to, to actively try and, and make something work. If you have an idea for a business, the only way to know if it's going to work is to do it. So I guess that's what really what the purpose of that is. And yeah, I mean, thoughts thoughts and things to say about that? Yeah, like I, I find especially in personal endeavors, one of the hardest things to starting is thinking, oh, I'm not ready or, Mm -hmm. you know, ah, that's probably not going to turn out very well. And so I just don't do it at all. But, uh, you know, if there's if there's one positive moral that you can get from the Donald Trump presidency is you can be a total (laughs) failure and still rise up to heights that are beyond imagination. (laughs) So my advice to you guys is, is, yeah, just don't wait. Go out there and do it. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't I can't exactly disagree with that, even though. I want to because the sentence the only the one good thing about the Trump presidency is like the worst thing that that I've heard out loud <laughs> um, but yeah you're not wrong it's it's so easy to get hung up on the idea of of well I, I can't do this now I'm I'm in school or I can't do this now I'm doing this or this it, it's really easy to fall into that trap and I mean fair enough a lot of us that are in school full-time don't have extra time to do that it just the time doesn't exist and you can't make time where there isn't any but if you have the extra time and you have these ideas pursue them it's so important to pursue and and push and really try when it comes to things like this and like there you go made creative is a perfect example of that um so you can check them out one more time it's madecreative.co um, any final thoughts on that story or any of the stories we've covered so far? Or? Um, yeah, just in, in regards to starting up a business mm-hmm. and just basically being successful in anything you do, 
Never underestimate the importance of networking and getting out there and sharing your ideas with people and building something with other people and making an awesome community mm -hmm. to set yourself up for success because that's the best way to do it. Absolutely. Um, okay, so we have a few minutes left in the hour. So what I want to do here is take a look at one of my favorite segments ever. Um, Spencer Smith writes uh, regularly for us and does our web editing, if I remember, I'm hoping I'm remembering that correctly. But one of the things he's done once before and now he's done again uh, is <clears throat> a segment called The Poetry of Online Restaurant Reviews. Um, so I'm going to let him explain his what it is, and then we're going to look at some of the poetry of said reviews. So Spencer says, what prompts people to take the time to write online restaurant reviews? I explored TripAdvisor reviews of Nanaimo restaurants, and by my investigation, it's either superb dining experiences or an awful one. Yes, there are people who report on the mediocre calamari and so-so restaurants, but the majority of detailed lengthy reviews tend to fall on the other on either end of the spectrum. The terrible one-star reviews are my favorite. The authors often employ their finest attempt at dramatic writing, and the particular and the results are particularly are peculiarly poetic. I chopped up and rearranged the prose of three reviews in free verse in an attempt to accentuate certain poetic moments. And I thought, if you were feeling up to it, you and I would each do a, um, a poetic reading of one of Spencer's pieces here on the show. I would love to. I, I, I really enjoyed reading this, so I'm sure yeah. I'll enjoy reading it out loud just as much. All right. So do you have one in particular that you like the most? Ooh. Ooh. Uh, either um, Beyond Terrible or unsanitary, poor customer service, and even worse tasting food. I think, okay, so you pick one and you do a reading, and then I'll do one. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do Beyond Terrible okay. by Fuzzy Dog. Okay. <laughs> I don't know where to start. Service was beyond slow. Place was super loud. Staff were rude. Food was cold. I will just say this. I would rather hide behind my couch and eat a can of Friskies. So there you go. That was a poetic reading of a TripAdvisor review of a place called Cassidy Country Kitchen. Sorry, but it's also, I mean, beautiful prose. Uh, okay, well, I will read All Around Horrible, and then you can read the other one if you like. Okay. <clears throat> so this is All Around Horrible by Jackie Younger. Takes our drink order after 10 minutes. Server finally comes over. We let her know we're getting the buffet. She says fine and walks away. We'd gotten too far into our first plate. I started feeling sick. Ended up clogging a toilet from throwing up. What is their fix for this? A dollar off each meal. Manager says the food was fine. And if we refused to pay, she would call the cops. We'll never eat here again. But hey, if you want to lose weight and spend tons of money... I recommend their buffet. That is all around horrible uh, review of ABC Country Restaurant. And finally, if you will read unsanitary, poor customer service, and even worse tasting food. This is by Wonderfilled. Unsanitary surroundings. Food was not fit for my dog. Cheese curds like plastic. I enjoy offbeat and funky, but the food has to be decent. Food made with love? Ha. I think not. So that was uh, Wonderfilled's thoughts on pirate chips. Um, I, I just love 
those if you want. I believe the other one is still up on the NAV website, thenav.ca, and I think he did um, local McDonald's locations was the last entry of this particular series, and it's just fabulous. Spencer, please do more of these because I I cannot tell you how much I love them. Um, so coming up in the next hour of the show, we have some sports coverage, which is great because our sports writer is here. We're also going to be talking to... Mr. Andrew Bugards, who uh, was a part of something called The Long Way Home, which was a tour that started in Moscow and went across Russia um, with, by, and was a man named Nikolai Pavlov who set out on his bike. Um, Andrew was in the support van following um, Pavlov all the way across Russia, um, and uh, he's also a VIU alumnus, so very exciting. He's going to be joining us here in the studio to talk about The Long Way Home and his experience with that uh, probably about a quarter after. So in the meantime, we are going to take a commercial break, and when we come back, we'll have more stuff for you. So stick around. I hope you will. Hi, I'm Johnson. When I'm not out busting ghosts, I'm listening to 101.7 FM CHLY in Nanaimo. Living on the Gulf Islands can be an exciting thing, but sometimes you need or want to come to Nanaimo for pleasure or business. If you need a place to stay, then book your accommodations at the conveniently located Painted Turtle Guesthouse, Bastion Street, downtown Nanaimo. When you purchase a $25 membership at the Painted Turtle Guesthouse, you can stay for $49 per night year-round, a 50% discount, and an outstanding offer to those who live on the Gulf Islands. Enjoy your stay at the Painted Turtle Guesthouse, Bastion Street, Nanaimo, for $49 per night. Check out more information at PaintedTurtle.ca. Hey, this is Firewood Poetry, and when I want to hear the best in drum and bass, I tune into Bigger Than Bass every Tuesday night, 9 p.m., only on 101.7 FM, CHLY in Nanaimo. Welcome to the Nanaimo Crime of the Week, brought to you by Nanaimo Crime Stoppers and the Faculty of International Education at Vancouver Island University. Each week, a VIU international student will profile an unsolved crime in Nanaimo. If you have information on this crime, contact Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. Aziz al-Mustama, jarimat hadha l-isboa, fi tasa'a min September, hawali s-sa'a thamina masa'an, fi shara country club drive, ta'arudat fata fi l-khamisa ashar min umriha, ila muhawalat khatf, وذلك عندما حاول رجل وصفته بأبيض البشرة متوسط القامة حوالي ستة أقدام أظافره قذرة يرتدي جاكيت بقبعة لونها أسود أو رمادي وبنطال جنز حاول خطفها وسحبها إلى الغابة الواقع خلف كال تاير ولكنها صرخت وقاومت واستطاعت بحمد الله الفرار منه إذا كان لديك أي معلومات الرجاء الاتصال على الرقم المجاني 1-800-222-8477 For more information on this crime and others in the Nanaimo region, please visit NanaimoCrimestoppers.com Hello there, I'm Ole Johnson and you're listening to 101.7 FM CHLY in Nanaimo. This is where the good music lives. Welcome back to the show. This is The Masthead. I am Brendan and I am joined today by Cole, our sports and lifestyles uh, editor. How's it going there, Cole? Ah, pretty good. How is it going for you, Brendan? Going so uh, pretty well so far. Uh, I mentioned before the break that we are going to be speaking with Andrew Bugard's um, 
shortly. And I thought what I would do first is read the story from the issue of the newspaper that we are talking about. So we are now on issue three. Or, right? Yeah, just yeah. finished issue three. Issue three has just been released. And so we are, um, this story goes back to number two. The story is called From Mal- Malaspina to Moscow, and it is by our very own Natalie Gates. So there's no doubt that uh, your years at university play a unique part in your personal growth, your transition to. Uh, Sorry, I'm, I'm just being stared at um, through the window. I think Andrew might actually be here, so let's bring him in and then uh, and then just see what happens. Um, so once again, uh, on May 12th, Nikolai Pavlov left Moscow and started the Long Way Home Tour to the other side of the world's largest country on his bike. Alongside him, w- um, uh, with his friend Alex Vig- Vigant, uh, and their support van, Pavlov's sister, Yara, his corgi puppy, Patushok, who is adorable, and Andrew Bugards, a fellow university alumnus who has just stepped into the studio. Uh, so it's all it's all going to happen right now. Uh, how's it going, Andrew? Excellent. Thank you. Good. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. I, I'm glad we were able to work this out. I, um, yeah, I'm glad that it all kind of came together. You're just here for the day or for a few weeks? Or? I'm here for a couple of days. Okay. Um, my brother just had a son, and I came to visit. Oh, congratulations to your to your brother. Um, that's great. Um, so you're from Nanaimo originally? I grew up in Comox, in Comox but okay. I did my undergraduate in Nanaimo. Okay, and that's how you met Nikolai? That's correct, yes. Okay, so how did you wind up going back to Russia with Nikolai? Like, it's, it seems like a, it's a long way to go, and it, yeah, I just, it's curious, I'm curious. Um, Especially for an island boy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had, uh, finished contract teaching English in Korea the year prior, okay. and I was finishing a master's thesis from Cape Breton University. And I just finished my thesis. Nikolai invited me out. I had a little bit of money and I had some time and I decided what a great opportunity to actually see Russia from a Russian perspective as yeah. opposed to just a regular tourist perspective. And almost all of Russia. You went from you went from Moscow to the coat, like to the I made it as far side. as Lake Baikal and okay. my visa unfortunately ran out. So I couldn't okay. go as far as Mirny with Nikolai, uh, Sasha and Yara. But um, I had a great time. Um, it's it was roughly about a third of the country. Or sorry, two thirds of the country. It wasn't quite okay. uh, across the entire country. I would have loved to make it to the coast, but yeah, <laughs> that's how it happens, I guess. Um, so you were in the support van with the dog, uh, as well <laughs> as um, I've, I've just said their name and now it's completely forgotten. Uh, Pavlov's sister Yara, yes, right? Yes. Um, what was your kind of responsibility being in the support van, and why were you not on a bike? I was the driver. <laughs> okay. Um. I didn't want to be the driver. I really okay. wanted to be on a bike, but they couldn't find anybody else to drive. So, Nikolai had to bring in somebody from Canada, I guess, to actually drive to get the van going. Okay, it wasn't unfortunately a van either. It's an old 2001 Ford Focus, and okay. very bad for a Focus of that. <laughs> we had regular mechanical problems. It was a nightmare. So you were essentially biking across the country, like I mean, <laughs> with the way we started out as support for Nikolai and Sasha as they cycled across. Um, but by the end, we always had to leave before them because our car broke down so often that they were actually support for us. <laughs> so at, at any point, did they tow? The yes, <laughs> did- <laughs> right outside of about a hundred kilometers out of Omsk, um, which is just north of Kazakhstan. Okay, our car. Uh, just completely broke down, and we actually had to get towed into Omsk. Oh, okay. No, I'm sorry. I, I what? Well, sorry, I meant did the bikes tow you, and that was so. Oh. I, and you said yes, and I went. I can't. I can't believe that. Well, at one point, I was actually thinking about converting the car to corgi power because we had that small <laughs> right, corgi. Right. Yeah. 
This is a good place to be, though, hanging out with a cute dog. I mean, that's not a bad. That's oh, not a bad situation. Honestly, I was really quite angry when I found out that we were bringing the dog with us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it really did limit us what we could yeah. do, where we could go, um, especially when it came to hotels. Or a lot of people put us up in their apartments, but they didn't want dogs. Mm-hmm. We stayed at a lot of um, sports centers, arenas, sports schools. A lot of them didn't want to have dogs in their buildings either. Okay. So it, it limited us a lot. Yeah. Um, and so the dog really was there. Like, was there a specific reason that the dog came other than it just being, you know, a friend? Like, I, I understand the attachment to your dog for yeah. sure. But I mean, surely there would have been maybe an alternative or Pavlov just thought, no, no, the dog's coming. He, Nikolai saw this as the mascot for the trip. Okay. It wasn't. That's fair. I can see that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but closer to the end of the trip, they had to um, send the dog ahead uh, because they would have had to take a ferry uh, mm-hmm. near the end because the road is only accessible in winter. Um, yeah. So they figured the four-day ferry, the dog wouldn't last very well on the ferry, so they did uh, send the dog ahead. Okay. And, I mean, the Pavlov and his dog, is that was that something that was, like, consciously, like, <laughs> that they were aware of? Or is it kind of just, that's just what their names are and that's just how it happens? Like, it seems, it seems almost too perfect that was the ongoing joke okay good Um, but it was just coincidence Uh, yeah that's great it's great that someone named Pavlov happens to be a dog person I think (laughs) that's great Um, so you were gone how long did the part of the trip that you were on take I had a maximum of 90 days in Russia uh, okay for my visa so I like I said I made as far as uh, Moscow to Lake Baikal just Mm -hmm. close to Irkutsk so it was a total of about 5,000 kilometers on my part and what what stands out in terms of like things that happened along the way, or things you say you got to see Russia from a Russian's perspective, and what what stands out to you from that experience? Um, the hospitality, really. Okay. I can't believe um, how kind people were. Uh, the watch I'm wearing today was actually given to me just by some random guy who was, okay. I had a few drinks with, and he insisted I take his watch. Hmm. Um, lots of people just wanted to drink with me. Yeah. Pour me shots of vodka. A lot of people just want to eat with me. They would uh, invite me and the rest of the group over for dinner. And the food, they're so generous with the food. Um, I think I gained a few pounds while I was over in Russia. <laughs> I wish uh, I could have gone cycling so I could have lost Yeah, you would have kept sort of maintained a little consistency, I guess. Oh, for sure. Um, so, I mean, you find like there's that sort of idea in the way that Russia is portrayed, especially over here, is as this kind of dangerous or f- even frightening place. Did you have that in your head kind of going into it? or I, I like to think of myself as pretty open-minded. Sure. I've done a lot of traveling, but it really did completely change my perspective of what yeah. Russia is. Um, I, I always kind of buy into the type of media that we see. Um, everything kind of revolves around Moscow in my mind prior. Sure. And um, just... I guess I always thought of Russia as just kind of being like Moscow. Everybody... Yeah. Um, it's kind of a homogeneous culture, but as we crossed the entire country, I was so amazed by how many different cultures are within mm-hmm. the country, um, whether that be Tartar, Bashkir, um, both prominent Muslim um, regions, oh, uh, but okay. still part of that Russian culture. Um, or as you go into Siberia, you get Yakut or um, a lot of different, tr- uh, I won't say tribal kind of cultures but once prior i guess to um the 1900s were mm-hmm. more tribes or hunting tribes okay so it is it's a completely different than what you as you cross the country yeah every 
aspect of it is so different. Hmm. And I guess another thing that kind of blew me away was how nice Ufa and Kazan was, um, two big cities. But yeah, I always thought of dilapidated Soviet apartments when I thought of Russia. Yeah, you think of, of the kind of like almost Eastern European like bombed out buildings yes, and, and that yeah. kind of everyone is cold and sad and, and eating. But once again, I yeah. think of Ufa and Kazan where yeah. they're real cultural gems with beautiful mosques or beautiful old churches, mm -hmm. um, beautiful apartment buildings. Um, I wasn't thrilled with Moscow, I have to admit. That. Okay. I hadn't had a chance to see St. Petersburg. Moscow just seemed like a regular city. Um, mm -hmm. It was, uh, did it live up more to the expectations that someone might have going I, I would in? I say or? Moscow did live yeah. a little bit more up to my expectations. It's a little bit disappointing almost. To, yeah. But um, I hadn't had a chance to really explore Moscow yeah. as well as I should have. We spent more time in smaller cities. Okay. Um, and so now you're back. Has What sort of what came of this? Did he make it all the way? He made it all the way he across? He did complete his trip. Okay. Yes, all the way to his hometown of Mirny. Um, he finished, I think, August 29th. Wow, okay. And it, so he cycled the whole way. He cycled the whole way. And it's about how far? Um, I thought it was about 8,000 kilometers, <laughs> but apparently, um, according to the VIU newspaper, it said something about 6,000 kilometers. So I mean, even 6,000 gives me heart palpitations. I know. <laughs> we only yeah. did about 100 kilometers a day at the beginning, towards yeah. the end. Nikolai was able to do 200 kilometers a God. day, but... I mean, that's an unbelievable amount. Like, you know, you say it like it's it's just 100 kilometers. It wasn't a big deal. In the car, we made it in like an hour. It was fine. Yeah, it was about an hour. The yard <laughs> and I would just pull over to the side of the road and sleep on the side of the road while we waited for them to come up. How long did it usually take him to kind of catch up with the car? Um, it depends on how many kilometers or sure. what kind of the train will. Um, when we're going through the Urals, obviously, the Ural Mountains, it took a lot longer for them to catch up. Mm -hmm. But when we're in the plains of Siberia... They probably take a good six hours, seven Unreal. hours, sometimes eight hours. Jeez. Um, Cole, did you have any any questions? You're kind of just we realize we're kind of excluding you from the conversation. I don't mean to at all. I'm 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 just gonna continue to observe if that's all right <laughs> for you guys. Um. So wow, I, I scrolled to this. So it says uh, Bugarts had even less of a grasp on Russia. Um. So you were kind of the odd man out. In I the, was in the Everybody group. Yeah. Was Russian, right? Right. Okay. So I was. Um, They're often taking care of me. Right. To, uh, until we got to Omsk, where we met a Swiss guy. Okay. And there's actually he was cycling from Zurich to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, by himself. Jeez. Um, All these cyclists. <laughs> he, he wasn't what you'd think of as like a typical cyclist. He was a little bit overweight. Okay. Um, he wasn't very adventurous. Typically, this was his first international trip, hmm. and he he had a even harder time kind of connecting with Russian culture than I did. Right? Okay. He, um, he often had a few conflicts, I think. He, he felt very uncomfortable with the group sometimes. He was also used to more um, luxuries travel. He would always stay at hotels. Sure. This where is, we'd be sleeping on gym floors. Right? Yeah, it's quite a departure from, from, you know, staying, like, traveling and then this. This is an entirely different sort of beast than going on a vacation. <laughs> That's exactly like. what I loved about it. Yeah. Like, we were away from the tourists, and I yeah. got sick of dealing with tourists. I've traveled a lot, like I said, sure. but I just can't go to a tourist hotspot and take a few pictures and move on, right? Yeah. I mean, going to the small towns, um, I was such an oddity in some points. Uh, one time, a local television channel um, actually just interviewed me. Um, okay. <laughs> I thought they were interviewing all of us because we had regular television interviews. Right. But um, they only wanted to talk to me because they've never apparently had um, an English speaker just kind of coming through as a tourist. 
Wow. Did you so in that did you do did you do that interview in English and, and Yes. So Nicol- did you have any issues with language? Um when we're closer to Moscow a lot of the reporters spoke English and yeah. they were able to um dub over my well, as I spoke. Oh, okay. Um as we got a little bit further east, Nikolai had to um translate as they were asking me the questions and mm-hmm. then um one time they actually imposed Nikolai's voice on top of me. <laughs> and it, was, it was a really kind of awkward to see Nikolai's voice yeah. as I spoke. That's but. a bizarre, that must have been a bizarre feeling yeah. to watch that interview. <laughs> did, you, did you pick up any of the language as you were traveling? Um, or I learned how to the... order beer. Okay. And um, yeah, anything with beer, coffee, I could <laughs> Okay. I could just walk into a store, I could get sure. whatever beer I wanted. Yeah, you, you really I got you hammered out the beer. <laughs> But um, <laughs> anything beyond beer, coffee, I really could Well, how do you order beer in, in Russia? Um, Moshna Biva Bajolsta. Moshna Biva Bajolsta. Bajolsta. You want to give it a try, Cole? Uh, can I hear it <laughs> one more time? Uh, Moshna Biva Bajolsta. Moshna Biva Bajolsta. That last one, that last that one is the one that gets me, too. from what I understand. Oh, okay. Um, so, something here that... Um, Pavlov says about you is that global studies is in your soul. Which is funny um, because I wasn't actually a global studies student. I so was <laughs> economics and political studies. <laughs> <laughs> he did the interview via Skype after I left. So some of the details about me were incorrect. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> we'll have to do some some corrections. Um, so you're, it says you're a citizen of the world. You you like to travel, obviously. Do You've done like a lot of traveling. Um, after I finished at VIU, um, I worked for a year at the Home Hardware um, Brooks Landing here, which I loved. It was mm-hmm. a great job, but I always wanted to try living overseas, so mm-hmm. I moved to Seoul, Korea the okay. first year, and then went back to Canada, did a um, MBA at Cape Breton University, and in between the two years, I did um, an internship in Botswana okay. for three months, and then um, afterwards went back to Korea, but went to a small little rural island, then did a tour through um, Europe on my way back from the UK all the way to Georgia, mm-hmm. um, mostly taking trains across there, and then finished my thesis, and then I came to Russia. Hmm. Is there, like, it sounds, because you're, you know, you're pretty actively not staying in, in touristy places, yeah. like, except for maybe parts of Europe, but, you, you know, you say you went to Botswana and, and Russia, and um, you just said it, and it's gone Georgia? from my brain. Uh, Cor- uh, Korea. Oh, yeah. And, and Georgia as well. I mean, is there that kind of desire to see if they're really the way that they're portrayed because i mean some of those places are not notoriously not safe or at least shown that way a lot of places yes i mean i was a lot more of a nervous traveler before um starting all these trips Mm -hmm. um and that's what i discovered nothing is as well i won't say nothing has been as dangerous um there has been some dangerous spots Mm -hmm. i haven't run into any serious problems i've been scammed out of a little bit of money taxi drivers whatever um but it's also never been quite like you see in pictures, too. Mm-hmm. So there's the other aspect where it's not as beautiful or sometimes it's not quite captured as well in pictures, mm-hmm. too, right? Um, so, yeah, it's rarely ever as presented in media. Or Okay. That's yeah, very interesting. Have you had sort of, like, in your trip, you were there for, in Russia for quite a long time. Did you have sort of experiences where you're like, okay, maybe this is not a good situation for us to be in or... No, no, actually, nobody ever threatened me, and that's what I was. Re- I was really concerned with the diplomatic sli- uh, situation that we had between yeah. Russia, Crimea, and uh, Canada, where 
um, there was a little bit of a, a rocky relationship. Yeah, that's a really nice way to put it. Yeah, very but, diplomatic. And I was afraid yeah. I was going to show up. And we were doing lots of presentations mm -hmm. between youth councils and everything. Um, we are just having regular presentations along the way. And I was always concerned that a lot of people would be grilling me about mm -hmm. the stance of our government. Mm -hmm. But only once did somebody actually even ask me about how I felt about Putin. And that's as closest to politics as anybody yeah. really got in conversation. And that was about a 10-year-old kid, right? Wow, he yeah. barely spoke any English, and he was just asking me in very broken English about Putin and my feelings. And I just... I was just trying to pretend like I didn't understand because I really talk about politics when I travel. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I guess it's like anywhere else, we're not constantly talking about politics with every new person that we meet, so it stands to reason that they wouldn't be there. It's Sometimes just, yeah. people want to tell me about local politics, yeah. and they never ask me about how I felt about politics. Yeah. Well, they, they guess you're the outsider, yeah. and you can... Yeah. I think a lot of times people who talk about the ugly politics Russia had in the 1990s after the... Um, after the fall of the Berlin Wall, or of course after the end of communism, and the way they discussed, or they described it, it was almost kind of like gangs kind of ran each city, right? Yeah. And it was very unsafe, and maybe that's where we get the perspective of what we currently think of Russia, right? Um, and a lot of people would talk about that in a very negative way, um, but currently the way Russia is, it's just extremely friendly. People, mm -hmm. like I said, just seem to want to drink with me. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's awesome. You love to hear that, that it's not, yeah, I got there and it was exactly the crazy, horrible place that I heard, was afraid it would, like, it's it's nice to hear that kind of perspective on it. And I mean, you too had the advantage of seeing it from the perspective of a Russian person and you're going with, to these places that most of us wouldn't go if yeah, we were going to Russia. Yeah, that's true enough too. I mean, if I went as a tourist alone, mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't be able to connect with yeah. people in these small towns as well as I did having Russian-speaking friends, right? Um, the Swiss guy, prior to uh, meeting up with us, rarely ever interacted with any of the local people. Mm -hmm. um, and he still seemed hesitant uh, after he started tagging along with us. Mm -hmm. um, he never wanted to actually participate in any of our presentations to local councils mm. or youth councils. But, yeah, um, I think it's more of a curiosity, right? Yeah. Like, I was a bit of an anomaly. Yeah. Of these small towns. That's, yeah, fair enough. Um, Cole, any questions before we let Andrew go? Yeah, uh, what were your what was your role in the presentations? Um, a lot of times they just wanted me um, to talk about my previous experience traveling, and um, Nikolai really directed a lot of the presentations. But after the presentations, when we open up the floor to questions, a lot of the questions were directed towards me and how I felt about Russia, my perspective hmm. of what I viewed. Well, basically the same questions you just asked me. Um, what were my opinions of or my expectations of Russia prior to coming, and mm -hmm. how how did those expectations live up? Yeah. yeah. Very cool. It sounds like an amazing experience. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I recommend checking out Russia. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you wanted to say just while you're here? Or? Um, no, not off the top of my head. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, you can check out some of our... Um, well, we had an online... Uh, Facebook blog and uh, Instagram blog. You can check out some of the posts that we had throughout our trip. Um, the tag is hashtag the long way underscore home. I think, it was I think that's what it says yeah. in here oh, too. Yeah, great. Yeah. yeah, it's on the, the newspaper. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you can also check out the story in issue two of The Navigator. Uh, thank you so much, Andrew, for coming in. It was really nice to meet you and great to have you on the show. Excellent. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, we're going to take a little break here and play some music. We'll be back with some sports. So stick around.
That was Let Live with I've Learned to Love Myself. Their new album is called If I'm the Devil. Um, listen if you want. It's, that's what it sounds like. Uh, let's just get right into it. This is the Sports and Lifestyles section. And we're going to start with a, a subject that is very, very important. And I'm just going to leave it to Cole to explain it all to you. Go ahead, Cole. All right. So uh, I've written this piece about an organization called Drop It and Drive. Uh, it, was, it was founded by a woman named Karen Bowman. And uh, she started it basically because um, when she was dropping her kids off at school, she was noticing parents and teachers driving around the campus, looking at their phones. They were eating breakfast sandwiches, drinking a coffee, just not paying attention at all. And she's sitting there thinking, well, my son is smaller than the front end of most vehicles. So he's he's high risk to begin with. And, uh, you know, she, she thought that she she had had to do something about it so she uh, did a presentation for her son's school and she um she brought in uh her her now uh six-year partner in the presentations uh tim bailey he's a retired captain of the surrey fire service and he kind of gave like a a real life impactful approach to it and later on they also incorporated uh brian Federchuk. He's an active member of the Surrey RCMP Traffic Division. He's been a collision analyst for 17 years now. And he says, basically, you know, if you can imagine the distraction, I have seen it and ticketed it. And uh, distracted driving is more than just texting and driving. It's also about, you know, uh, eating while you're driving or being really stressed and thinking about the appointment that you have to get to or maybe you're driving and you see an eagle or you know you just you close your eyes for about a second or you have a dog on your lap you know there's there's so many things that can distract you while you're driving and uh it's um accidents do happen that way i myself am uh uh i guess a survivor of a distracted driving accident and uh so is karen bowman and the reason why she's still doing it six years later is because uh, a couple months after her her presentation um, on January fifth, the two thousand eleven, her eight year old daughter was involved in a collision caused by a distracted driver, and she still suffers from those injuries to this day. And um, <clears throat> Bowman, in in regards to distracted driving collisions, she doesn't call them accidents because an accident. It kind of implies, you know, oh, there was nothing you could do about it. It was just an accident. But these collisions are preventable. So um, the language regarding distracted driving incidents is actually being changed because it's it's normally recorded as an MVA, which is a motor vehicle accident. Mm -hmm. And uh, police and insurance companies are changing it to MVI, motor vehicle incident, just to incorporate that. And just to give you guys an idea of how serious an issue this is, um, the province of Ontario alone is already reporting double the amount of driving fatalities caused by distracted driving than caused by drunken driving. Jesus. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is it, it is truly baffling the things that I have seen people doing while driving. You know, in like in the few seconds they have at a stoplight, they'll they'll drop the mirror down and, and, you know, check themselves out or start putting makeup on. I've seen people, yeah, like you said, eating. I mean, I'm guilty of eating and driving. I think we've all done that and it's easy to not think about it as distracted driving because like well i'm looking out and i've got it's, you know you, you kind of think you've got it all under control but it really can change everything in front of you can just change immediately and if you're not paying attention 
then that's it. Like that's what hap- That's how it happens, and it's it's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I definitely I learned my lesson about eating and driving when I attempted to eat Taco Bell while driving. Bad call. Yeah, I didn't get into an accident or anything. I just ruined my favorite pair of pants. I just dropped all sorts of uh, not, Seems like not a Taco the... Bell issue more than a drunk or texting uh, and driving issue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, but no, yeah. I mean, it's it's so easy not to do it that to do it is sort of remarkably stupid. Yeah, and and there's also like so many different cognitive distractions. Mm-hmm. Like you know, if if um if you're fighting with somebody close to you or you have a big homework assignment, you're tired, you're bored. uh, I've driven this same road a thousand times. I know how it is, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It just, it all factors into your, your uh, perception reaction time, which um, by the way, if you're in your mid twenties at the peak of your life, your average perception reaction time is about uh, one and a half seconds. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the time that it takes for you to see something like a kid chasing uh, a basketball into the road Mm -hmm. and for your brain to think okay I have to hit the brakes so that's one and a half seconds before you've done anything which seems quick but it's a long time yeah so much can happen in one and a half seconds that it's uh, it's yeah one thing I think that it's worth saying like texting and driving is irresponsible and stupid and you should stop doing it eating and driving is irresponsible and we should stop doing it one thing that also seems to kind of get a pass for some reason from certain people is smoking pot and driving it is impaired driving I don't care how well you handle your your pot don't drive it it's it's really simple and it, people say well man it doesn't affect me like booze does yeah but it's not it's not good to do because it does change the way that your brain is functioning and i think that it's worth including in that it's not it's not distracted driving but it is an impairment to driving and it seems important that these like these things that seem to get a pass like when pokemon go came out people actually had to have the conversation of hey it's not cool to play pokemon go and drive yeah like why do we have to keep having that conversation? <laughs> yeah, and I think um, uh, Bowman really, really stated it well. Mm-hmm. She's like, ultimately, this is a societal issue, mm-hmm. and it it's going to take positive peer pressure yeah. to change people's minds. It has to be everybody saying, you know, like focus on driving. Mm-hmm. And again, what you were saying with um, with uh, being high on marijuana and driving. A lot of people don't seem to think that it's a huge issue mm-hmm. and and um it's not even like being high and getting behind the wheel mm-hmm. i've seen people who actually will be smoking a joint while driving yeah. or hitting a vaporizer or something like that yeah. and like you know i've seen stone people who cannot open a bag of chips so you should not be behind the wheel of a car while you are stoned by any means yeah. and it is a DUI and you will be pulled over and you will get charged for it so just don't do it it's not at no, all worth it's it it's not and i mean you know we 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 have this we've all agreed collectively that drinking and driving is bad and irresponsible but then we have people that seem to think that smoking pot is fine or that texting is fine for them because they know how to deal with it but you as soon as you look away you're no longer in control of your vehicle and you're no longer in control of the situation and it's on you in a way that you know if you're making the choice to do i'm going to look at my phone now you've given up the control of the situation and then when something happens there's no way that that's not your fault and that's a horrible thing to have to live with yeah and um again uh 
Karen Bowman told me, she said, the average length to look at a text message is about five seconds and you're completely blind to the road in that time. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially like driving the length of a football field while blind. Yeah. She's like, would you just close your eyes and drive the length of a football field? And obviously I said, no. And she said, okay, then why would anybody text and drive? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a no brainer. I mean, it's just, you know, I just, it, it, I hate that we have to keep having the conversation. We have to keep saying, Hey, it's not a good idea to look at your phone just because you think there might be a Pokemon nearby or because someone texted you, like, just get it under control. Everybody. It's it, like you say, it's completely preventable. And that's why I, I agree that the word accident doesn't really fit. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Let's uh, let's talk about sports and kind of <clears throat> lighten things up a little bit. We've got another twenty five or so minutes on this show, so let's uh, let's go for it. You want to talk sports? Sports, yeah. <coughs> um, to kick things off for the VIU basketball season, uh, the VIU men's team played a game against uh, VIU alumni on Saturday, September twenty fourth. Uh, in the first game, the alumni took an early lead and ended the first half 45-36 over the Mariners men. Uh, the alumni turned up the heat in the second half, and they finished the game with a score of 92-61. to The old guys still got it. Uh, alumni players Tyler Olsen and Luke Rabinian had a big game and uh, kept sinking twos the entire game long, and despite a high-scoring uh, performance by Usama Zaid and Hayden Hall for the Mariners men, the alumni managed to take the first game well in hand. Uh, the second game was a lot closer and much more competitive. The men's team definitely gave the alumni a run for their money, but ultimately they lost uh, 90 to 75. Uh, Max Reed, Kaz Robayashi, and Morgan Proctor had a great game for the men's team, but ultimately they were outdone by a, a high scoring performance from Jared Dorby and Carson Williams for the alumni. And uh, you know, overall, it was just a fun game to uh, to warm the the men's team up for their season. And um, I believe they've just returned from a game at UBCO where they took on the Heat. And um, unfortunately, I am not sure how that game went. <laughs> but go Mariners! <laughs> go Mariners! Indeed. Uh, the next one here is also. I'll let you read this one too. It's a personal experience. It says that you've been uh, doing some outdoor rec. So, how did you, um, is this the first sort of adventure you've gone on with Outdoor Rec, or is it the second, or what? what is the um, uh, this status? Is, this is my first Outdoor Rec adventure this year. I got involved with them last year, and I didn't even know that they existed, but my parents were like, oh, you should check this out, and I signed up to do a sea kayaking, caving, rock climbing, I did a couple hikes. I was supposed to go swimming with salmon, but it was a particularly rainy day, and then I'm a river, river estuary was... Uh, it was it was basically flooded. Okay. So we ended up going rafting in the rain, and that was worlds of fun. I highly recommend it. Cool. But this is uh, a sea kayaking trip that you went on when? Uh, it started on the first Monday of school. So I think I believe it went from uh, September, geez, September six until just last week, and. Um, it was it was a really great experience. So I'll just uh, I'll read from the story yeah. here. So um, over the past few weeks, I joined the VIU Outdoor Rec program for some sea kayaking adventures. We explored various points around Nanaimo, like Departure Bay, Newcastle Island, Jack Point, and the Nanaimo River Estuary. 
uh, Chris Mudafov, a first-year resource management student, said, It was fantastic. We got to take the kayaks out from Newcastle Island across the bay. The waters were calm. The sun was out. We even got to go through a sea cave. It was a really calming experience to be able to do this after school with a bunch of really cool people. Um, outdoor rec programs like sea kayaking offer students an excellent opportunity to make friends. And for outdoor rec technician Greg Cormie, it was friendship that made outdoor rec worthwhile. My favorite part of sea kayaking is the experience with the people, Cormie said. I decided to get involved with Outdoor Rec because a friend of mine encouraged me to join up with one of the whitewater programs, uh, whitewater kayaking programs when I was a student here. Some of my best lifelong friends I've made through this campus rec program. And for students, Outdoor Rec is one of the most affordable ways to explore Vancouver Island and take part in some exciting outdoor activities all year long. Uh, we're providing an opportunity to experience some of the most awesome stuff Vancouver Island has to offer at an affordable rate, Cormie said. And it's a great way to make new friends and try new things. Very cool. So there you go. And you can find more information about that. Uh, the Where can you find more information about that? Actually, now that I've uh, said it, I don't know. <laughs> um, you can find it on the uh, VIU website under Campus Rec, specifically Outdoor Recreation. Okay. Uh, a lot of the programs for first semester have filled up, but there are always programs open in second semester and they see uh, a lower volume in second semester typically and there's also um cultural connections available through the uh international room and they're similar activities to the um campus rec events i believe they're uh the same in price and they often don't fill up quite as much so if you have missed out on some campus rec activities go to the international room and talk to mike Bosch about getting involved in cultural connections activities Cool. Uh, very quickly, we're going to talk men's and women's soccer. I will read women's soccer while you get ready for men's. How's that sound? Sounds good. Cool. Uh, after a series of tie games, the Mariners put back-to-back victories on their record this weekend at Merle Logan Field. Um, on Saturday, September 24th, the Mariners faced off against Douglas, who they tied 5-5 in their previous match. The Mariners came out strong. Forward Karen Batty put points on the board early, scoring a, at the three-minute mark. Batty's goal was followed up by, de- by defender Nicole Foglietta. Wow. Sorry about that. At the seven-minute mark to put VIU ahead 2-0 in the early early in the first half. A mere minute after Foglietta's goal, Pac West scoring leader Chloe Gummer and put the Mariners up 3-0. Douglas was able to answer back at the 28-minute mark. After a scoreless second half, the game ended 3-1 Mariners. So go Mariners. Uh, we were pa- we were passing, we were moving, we just didn't give the ball away, said Mariners midfield Rachel Jones. Uh, as a team, we played well, and we all played well individually, too. Uh, the Mariners were able to replicate their success against Langara on Sunday, September 25th. So Mariners goalkeeper, goalkeeper Emily Robotham, man, there are a lot of names that I'm just not getting through today, uh, came up with a big save early on, stopping a Langara breakaway, which allowed the team to settle into the game and get their bearings after a scoreless first half. Mariners defender Harup Mali came up from the back line to score a pivotal free kick goal, putting the Mariners ahead one nothing. And now Cole with men's soccer, if you're feeling ready for it. I am indeed. Awesome. So the Mariners kicked off their game against Packers rivals, the Douglas Royals at Merle Logan on a drizzly Saturday afternoon, and that was Saturday, September 24th. 
Despite a number of opportunities created by the Mariners, they were unable to capitalize and fell behind Douglas at the 22-minute mark when Douglas scored the opening goal off of a free kick. Due to what Douglas saw as unsatisfactory officiating, which they were quite vocal about, Douglas was awarded a red card in the first half, which put them down a player for the remainder of the game. VIU had 11 players and Douglas had 10. In the second half, Douglas found the net again, extending their lead to 2-0. Again, the Mariners missed scoring opportunities, including a heart-wrenching miss on a penalty kick. In the dying minutes of the second half, Mariners defender Travis Brown scored off a rebound of a a penalty kick, ending the match 2-1 in favor of Douglas. In the first half, we had many chances, said Mariners striker Shun Takano. We made many mistakes shooting in... We made many mistakes shooting and lost those chances. Today was rainy, so the ball was always slippery and difficult to control. Uh, Takano did not let the Mariners' misfortune get to him. We must win tomorrow's game, he said. We want to go to the championship, so we must win. And when Sunday's game against the Langara Falcons came, the Mariners did win, and in spectacular fashion. Uh, Victor Blasco opened up the scoring early, putting away the only goal of the first half, it was an omen of what was to come as the Mariners rained goals in the second half. Blasco was able to score again following a cross by defender Ali Adib, extending the lead to 2-0. With 10 minutes left in the match, Mariners rookie Bill Bagiopoulos and now the West scoring leader racked up a pair of goals with the poise of a veteran, followed by midfielder Steven Owashko with a beautifully executed header off a deflected penalty kick to put the Mariners at 5-0 to end the game. The Mariners have been playing some very exciting soccer, said head coach Bill Merriman, but they have been struggling to score goals, so we can only hope to build off this weekend. All right. Thank you very much. That is your sports coverage. We are going to play another song and come back and do all of our end of the show things. So stick around. This song is called Fireworks by Mitski from her new album, which is called Puberty 2. Listen. But you know, oh, you know, in the quiet. 
right, that was Mitski. The song was called Fireworks from her new album, Puberty 2. Quick look at some events here while we're kind of flying towards the end of the show. Tonight, at, or sorry, this afternoon at 5 p.m., you got a couple hours to get into this still. Witness Blanket Art installation opening at the View Art Gallery on the Nanaimo campus. It is free. It is at 5 that's all I know about it. Celebrate showcase in the upper cafeteria from 1 to 4 p.m. tomorrow. That's Friday the 7th. Uh, Saturday the 8th, Got Pop presents She Could Be Trouble at the Dingy Dog Pub on Protection Island. It starts at 7.30. It's $20, including the ferry. On Sunday the 9th, the run slash walk hunger out in Nanaimo is happening. Westwood Lake Park right here in Nanaimo. Registration starts at 9 a.m. and activities are at 10. Donations are also welcome and, of course, encouraged. Monday the 10th, Voices from the Engraver exhibition at the Nanaimo Museum, 100 Museum Way from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. For students, it's only a buck 75. No reason not to go, especially if you haven't been to the Nanaimo Museum yet. It's great. Tuesday the 11th, Strategy Board Game Night, Nanaimo Harborfront Library, 90 Commercial Street, 5.30 to 8 p.m. It is free. If you like to play games, go do it. Wednesday the 12th, On-Site Art, Nanaimo Harborfront Library, 90 Commercial Street, from 12 to 3 p.m. Again, free. And that's uh, that brings us right up to next Thursday, which is the World Bridger Series, the last shop standing on the Nanaimo campus at Building or Building 356, Room 109, from 7 to 10 p.m. by donation. I know I was fast. If you need or want to know more, please hunt down a copy of The Navigator. All of them are printed right there in the back. We are going to take a quick gander as well at the bunnies and stairs of this week. Um... If you don't mind, I'll do a bunny and a stare. You do a bunny and a stare. How does that sound? Sounds good. All right. So, bunny, to uh, kudos to Celeste at the calf who gave me bus fare when I forgot my bus pass. Awfully nice of her. Um, if you want to read this one here, um, to the student who. Do you want me to just read them if it's... Yeah, yeah <laughs> okay. I, can't, I can't see the bunny there. Okay. I can do the stare. Sure, you can do the stairs. Uh, to all the students who hold the doors open for others is a little courtesies like that that make my day. Go ahead. Stare. Stare. To the guy in the library that kept giving me the evil eye, I don't know you. <laughs> uh, another stare. Uh, to the cafeteria for only having lettuce left at the... At 2.30 p.m. Come on. Uh, if you want to submit your bunnies and stairs, you can do so at by uh, sending an email to editor at thenav.ca or tweeting at thenav underscore V-I-U. Uh, a bunny is something nice, funny, positive, or sweet that's happened in your life, and a stare is something mean, annoying, or... Uh, mean, annoying, negative, or gross that's happened in your life. Any bunnies or stares for you this week, Cole? Um, I guess a bunny was... I had forgot my coffee card and I went to the cafeteria and told them that and they gave me four stamps even though I only had two stamps on my coffee card so I'm pretty close to getting a free coffee now. That's pretty fabulous. Um, that's going to be it for... Oh, actually, we've got, we've got a few more minutes so I can just slow this down a little bit. Just a little. No stairs for you though. You didn't have any... No, it's, it's, it's hard to have hard to have a bad time at the VIU Nanaimo campus. I mean, it's That's, a great place. Wow. Uh, all right, so your check, I'm assuming, is coming in at some point for that. <laughs> what, um, about, what about for you? Do you have a bunny or a stare? I got some, I got some, I got a little bit of each. Bunnies to the, um, the VIU 
SU club council meeting that I went to uh, for having an insane variety of pizza. Uh, it was it was pretty good and pretty fun and way to way to really cater to everyone. Um, if you guys didn't know, there is actually brand new this year a VIU radio club that I'm on the board of, I guess. So if you're interested in that, it's on Facebook and stuff. Uh, you can be a part of it. Uh, that or one of the 30 other clubs that there seem to be on campus. It's crazy. Um, the stairs are to the literal stairs that I had to climb. I've never ever had to climb the science stairs that go up to sort of the upper part of the campus. Uh, and I walked from the nav office up to the very tip top upper uh, parking lot and <laughs> wished that I was dead the entire time. <laughs> so stairs to the stairs. I know that we may have done that one already. But what are you going to do? Uh, one thing that I always want to mention at the end of the show and almost never do is contributors. <laughs> contributors. I couldn't decide if I was going to say contrib- contributions or contributors, but here we are. So we want your contributions at the NAV. If you have heard, you've probably heard us say the word this is written by and give another name. That is because we love getting con- con- uh, contributions from you. All you have to do is submit to editor at the nav.ca all submissions must be original work of the author editors reserve the right to refuse submissions and to edit for space and clarity letters to the editor should be no more than 400 words in length and the navigator does not pay for letters um that said if you are a student and you do write an article you can get paid for that so get writing and send them in that is editor at the nav.ca and they will send it off to the relevant section um and again, we can't guarantee that it's going to get published, but we always appreciate having more content to put in the paper uh, and adding additional voices to the paper. Yeah. Um, maybe. Yeah. Okay. We're going to get to the end of the show here. And uh, yeah, so let's do this. So this is going to be the end of the masthead this week. As always, I want to give credit where credit is due and mention all the amazing people who make this show and the paper possible. From the Navigator, our Editor-in-Chief, Molly Barrio, our Art Director, Avery Crossan, our Associate Editor, Natalie Gates, our News Editor, who provides a lot of the content for this particular episode, Aislinn Cattell, our Sports and Lifestyle Editor, and of course, today's co-host, Cole Schisler, uh, Production Manager, Catherine Charbois, Graphic Designers, Jessica Pearson and Zyri Hoskins, our Web Editor, Spencer Smith, our Web Editor and Amazing Poet, Spencer Smith, uh, Social Media Manager, Elisa Dorkson, Bookkeeper, Lynn Williams, Business Manager, Christine Franick, and Copy Editor and Sex Columnist, Diana Pearson, and of course, everyone here at CHLY. There's also me, your host and Arts and Entertainment Editor, Brendan Barlow. You can find all kinds of uh, recommendations for scary things in this issue of the paper, courtesy of yours truly. Please take a minute to find The Masthead, The Navigator, and CHOY on Facebook for updates and to help you stay in the know. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. It really helps people find the show who might not otherwise. Finally, please get in touch with us. if you uh, The show can't improve without your feedback, and I would love to hear from you. You can use hashtag MastheadRadio on Twitter or email themastheadradio at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and for joining us. Uh, And please join us again next week for the arts and entertainment episode. I will be making recommendations of scary movies and books. We'll be talking about all kinds of stuff. So that's going to be next Thursday at 1 p.m. on 101.7 CHLY. And since we have a little time, maybe another poetic reading for everyone. This came to us from contributor Arjun Singh Manhas. The song is called Chito Benito. 
Uh, and I'm sure that you'll you'll know exactly who it's about because it does say explicitly in the poem. So let's just do this. For most of us, United States politics seems so far. Canadian politics is our forte. Kicking our southern neighbors for the rise of, or in, of the orange Cheeto. Trump represents the worst in American politics. Regarding race, he is deplorable Donald, uninspiring to the masses. Misogyny is rampant at his rallies. Please do not vote for Cheeto Benito. Uh, and there's a fun hidden message in there that you'll only know if you pick up the paper and have a look at the great bolded letters. Uh, well, I'm not going to say what it is. Suffice it to say that I agree whole heartedly. Uh, if you forget any of the information about the masthead, just flip the paper over and look at the back. We're going to close things out with a song and thank you guys so much for listening again. Uh, Cole, anything you want to say to the wonderful people who listen to this show? Uh, thank you very much for listening to the masthead and also tune in later tonight at 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. for the kinetic flow hosted by Teen Wolf and I might be there as well. There you go. That's as good a reason as any. This song is called The Industry by Oakville River. We will be back next week. Please join us then.